You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we go long on endurance and learn a little bit of Zen along the way. Hey, it has been an absolutely crazy past few weeks. I've got a lot of updates, a lot of interesting stuff. And after our Zen lesson at the beginning of the show here, we have the training log. I recorded a lot of audio, including doing a 5K in San Diego. I went to San Diego for a little bit that was a lot of fun. So you'll hear some of that. That's my latest race. It's a lot of fun to uh, train at the Ironman level and then turn around and do a f- do 5Ks uh, for fun with friends. I uh, have a coworker that had never done a 5K before. And I took her, it was her idea, actually, to go do it. And I said, oh, okay. And went and did it. And I recorded the uh, beginning of the quote-unquote race. There were some guys there that were really fast. But anyway, we've got all that. And let's see, the Tour de France just wrapped up. That was really cool. I loved watching the psychology of Chris Froome letting go of the jersey. And my son, who's 13, is now starting to grasp the Tour de France. And he's a little bit interested because there's the Texas Aggie that's in it. Uh, Pat, I think it's Pat Craddock is... uh, not the Texas Aggie, but he's from the Houston area, and he grew up racing on this velodrome, and uh, and he's raising money for some um, to repair the velodrome after all the flooding that we had, and so my son's starting to identify with whoa, it is possible to be one of these uh, racers. You know, Lance Armstrong, the L word or the A word, came from Texas as well. So to be a top level racer is. Um, definitely uh, possible. And let me see, if, while I'm talking, I'm going to pull up the guy's name. That is the, um, so I don't get it wrong. He went to Texas A&M and got a degree in engineering. And what I pointed out to Kai is that uh, Chad Haga, H-A-G-A, in his interview, Uh, He said, you know, he's got his degree in engineering and after he's done racing, he's going to go back to school (laughs) or not back to school. He's going to go back into the workforce and use that engineering degree, hopefully for uh, cycling or something like that. And so I was pointing out to Kai, you know, your brain is your number one tool for the rest of your life. A sports injury can take you out and uh, you, you still got your brain to fall back on. So go and get your degree like these guys did. And watching how they um, take a hit and then keep on going and the blood and gore, it's kind of like mixed martial arts on bikes, the way that they uh, get beat up and keep going, which the opposite of all the diving is what they call it in football, soccer, where they get hurt and uh, pretend like they're hurt to try to gain leverage (laughs) with the referees. These guys break their back. Literally one guy, Nibli, I think is his name, broke his back and he got back on his bike and rode the rest of the way up a mountain. So that's really impressive. But back to Froome. Froome won four times 
and he's won six Grand Tours. So I'm not sure if he won Tour de Suisse too, but he he won the Giro d'Italia, which is considered to be, um, they're saying, I think it was Giro d'Italia they were saying is now just as hard as the Tour de France. And when he started to not win, it started to look like he wasn't going to win after um, you know a week or so. It was possible that Durant Thomas was going to win. That Froome didn't fight it as much as he possibly could. And I was explaining to, to Kai, my son, how I thought that this was uh, playing out. And you're, you've already won. Well, when you're climbing the mountain and you're about killing yourself to win and people are booing you, you start getting little voices in your head that are like, dude, you've already won six grand tours. <laughs> Maybe I can take the pressure off of me this booing and all this drama, this sucks. And I think he's got a new baby coming along and he's already got one little kid. Anyway, and he's like, you know, maybe I'll just let this go and uh, not be on the bleeding edge and move back a little bit and let somebody else win. And in a way, so that's a win for him in a weird way. Losing is actually winning. And then in another weird way, um, Durant, Grant Thomas, their teammates and Grant, is on Team Sky. So in another way, the team the team still wins, so the team is happy. Sky is not very excited about the bad drama that uh, the, the whole drug testing thing uh, that came back on Froome uh, makes them look. So it'll make the team happy. So you can, you can start seeing how you can start rationalizing that it's okay to lose and, and or not win in this situation. And I was really watching that. I really enjoyed watching that happen and seeing, um, you know, the whole thing play out, the human psychology of it all. And also, you know, the next to the last day was the, uh, was the time trial or was it two days before? But anyway, Froome put down a time trial that was the second fastest time trial. So Froome showed that he could um, be the fastest guy. I think his time trial time was faster than Grant Thomas's, wasn't it? So he showed that he could do it, but he just didn't need to do it. That interesting. And now, also the 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 masses, the people's a change in mentality and the interest in something new, a new leader, somebody that's different, and how exciting that is, you know, something shiny. <laughs> <laughs> even though he's been racing forever and ever. So that's the uh, Tour de France in a, um, in a nutshell. Uh, I watched the majority of it on Fubo, F-U-B-O dot TV, which is a channel that costs about 50 bucks, but allows you to DVR that and a whole bunch of other sports channel. I think the Tour of Utah is going to be on it next. But uh, for a training tip, what I was doing was not watching the tour unless I was on my bike. So that got me on my bike and uh, watching the tour. One time I was riding Zwift, maybe several times riding Zwift and watching the tour at the same time, like on two different devices. And I found that it kind of took my mind off Zwift um, because riding the trainer is uh, can really, really wear you out. It's so much more effective, but you don't really coast that much. So it can kind of wear you out. You got to watch out for it. And on top of all that, I've got uh, two Zen lessons for you that I've 
noticed over the um, the past few weeks. And one of them is that Zen is the eraser. This, when I heard this, it struck me so strongly that I immediately wrote it down and I, I explained it to somebody else. And it, it it's not that difficult to explain, but it's just super powerful. And it was a a builder that is probably in his 70s and or yeah it's hard to tell how old he is but I was listening to a talk where he started off at the original Zen centers here in Cal- here in the United States and California in the 1970s I believe and the Zen the residing Zen masters here sent him to Japan and he was a young carpenter maybe and he went to Japan and he learned in Japan how to build and how to make things. And his stories of how he was treated <laughs> as an American, as a dumb American that's just so ignorant and stupid is the way they treated him and had to be uh, fixed and, and taught how to do things right was really engaging. It was a fascinating uh, story. And he eventually became a builder and I believe he became, he came back to the United States after many years and started building uh, stuff like uh, homes and, and such uh, around the United States. And I think he became recognized as a, a uh, very sought after, elegant luxury home builder because of his Zen training on how to build stuff in Japan. And he summarized it all uh, as a builder would, as a carpenter would. And I I can appreciate this because my dad was a um, project manager that built skyscrapers and hospitals, and he's retired. And sometimes I went to uh, work with my dad, and uh, I actually did work construction for two summers in Chicago and saw... I worked at three summers, actually. I poured concrete in Houston and in Chicago and worked union labor. Uh, I mean, really hard, hard work, um, hot, you know, always in the summer because I was earning money for college. And, uh, oh, and then I worked, um, my first big real job out of college was working in a version of a public works department. So just lots of construction, lots of, uh, building and engineering and, and things like that. So I was, I, I could really understand the story and how true it is. Uh, my first boss, real boss was a uh, former draftsman and back in the day when they drew everything by hand and uh, not on computer. And he sat with me and I drew bridges and roads uh, down to the rebar and all the dimensions and the, the er, everything, every detail, the construction plans for uh, decent sized bridges and road uh, improvements. So uh, for years and the story on how to make something and how to build something really struck true. Sorry, I was, I was a little tangent there, just to let you know that this is, what I'm about to tell you is very real and it makes sense. And it applies to programming too, by the way, <laughs> is he said, imagine that your normal life and the normal way that you make things is, uh, you know, with your, your pencil, say you're building it with, a, you're drawing it out with a pencil, whatever you're drawing. And 
you draw all of it. Now, the Zen way is to realize that all this is going to exist. You know, it's, it's going to happen anyway. And to flip the pencil over and use the eraser. <laughs> and Zen is what you remove. And you have to have confidence in what you're doing. But once you start doing it, that when you remove things, the extra from life, that that is Zen architecture, that that is Zen design. And it made so much sense with, with that and also with triathlon. In triathlon, what's holding you back is the stuff that you are doing, the stuff that's in your own way. We've got a visitor from my cat, our resident Zen master. And every improvement that you can make when you start going long is it's almost always a removal of something that you're doing that is in of how you're getting in your own way. And I'll think of some, some examples here in a second, but my, uh, I've got a cousin that's in town. Uh, he's in Houston. I went down to Houston to hang out with him. Uh, he's 27. He's from Sweden and he works for, um, Volvo trucks and works in software and he and I were talking about how um, he designs programs and how, how Sweden works. You know, Sweden is one of these countries that gets five weeks of vacation. And I was telling him how I've designed my workplace because I'm in charge of a small area of, um, of removing, just remove, 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 remove the unnecessary. And then you have these margins, which I've talked about in a previous episode. And then you can think because at some point... You change your day from a series of events that just keep happening to you. And if you start removing enough stuff, then you have the space to choose what you do next. So your to-do list shouldn't be do this and then do that and then do that and do, you know, and it just keeps going. It should be just a few things or, you know, however many things, but you should take a break and stop and pause. And then that's the eraser. You remove something. And then now you have the the option to choose what you want to do next. And when you can choose what you want to do next, you can choose the most important thing. You know, you can go through your hierarchy of, you know, what's the most important, what's do actually do next. Instead of being in this constant panic of uh, what's going, you know, what do I do and and uh, how do I uh, how do I get it done? And I uh, if uh, panic, 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 anxiety. Zen is the removal of anxiety because you're very self aware of what's going on, and one of the reasons that I coach Zen as part of triathlon training is because triathlon training is three sports in one, it's high volume, and you've got to mix it in with your life. And a lot of people that do triathlon are very driven, and there's just a lot of executives, there's a lot of college graduates, a lot of people working, and you're trying to fit this all in. So, uh, you know, what is in your way? And let's remove that stuff and actually see what you need to do and do the right thing next. You know, what should you eat? What should, what should you train next? You got to pause and ask yourself, what part of my body is really sore? <laughs> okay, don't train those muscles because if they're sore, that means that they're still recovering. You know, train, Before you go swim, ask yourself, are my arms really sore? Because if they are, then maybe you should go run instead. And you have to be flexible and you have to pay attention to the here and the now. And that's the Zen part. And 
you know, if your legs are really sore, is it, are they banged up sore? Because if they're just banged up sore because you ran a lot, then get on the bike and maybe, maybe biking will kind of flush things out and, and help you feel a little bit better. You see at the tour when they're wrapping up a stage and they're doing interviews with people after they're done, they're on the bike. They're biking more after they finish a stage. And what they're doing is they're spinning out their legs to get the blood flow and get stuff flushed out and to start the repairing to, um, to bike again tomorrow, another hundred miles or whatever through the mountains. You know, they're doing like three or four hours. By the way, I looked at a power file and they're averaging 350 watts for four hours. That's some of the power files that I saw about. So you can get your uh, numbers up to that. You can be a pro. <laughs> but Anyway, that's the uh, Zen is the eraser and start removing stuff that's in your own way and that you are in your own way and uh, look to see what the appropriate thing is to do next. And then the other Zen story that I heard that was so good was this guy that was talking about, I guess he was about in his 40s or so, and he said that when he first, his first day of Zen practice was going to a local uh, Zen, um, not monastery, but maybe, maybe it was, but Zen center, that's kind of what they tend to call it, uh, Zen temple in the West. And he went there and then they somehow um, talked him into, uh, convinced him, he convinced himself to uh, meditate uh, the next day, like all day. And then it quickly, very quickly, he went from just learning about meditation one day to the next day, meditating all day. And then um, very quickly after that, went into like a three year, I'm talking like within days, went into a three year meditation retreat because that's what everybody was doing. And he had the time to go do that. I think he might've been over in uh, Thailand or something like that when he uh, happened upon this. So he went from normal life to basically monk, monk meditation, sitting quiet, uh, silent retreat, just sitting meditating in a hut, I think he said, for, for like three years. You come out and eat and you go back, right? And that, that, was, that was, he thought that was fantastic. fantastic. He thought that was great. I I think he said he was originally from uh, the United Kingdom. So let's say somewhere in England. And he, when he got, when he decided he was done or he was finished, he left and then came back to Amer to uh, the United Kingdom. And, and he said his, his med he was in his 20s and his meditation practice, his serenity, his right here, right now, immediately fell apart terribly that in a retreat setting or a monastery setting, um, your environment is very controlled and that they remove a lot of your um, distractions and that in the real world, meditation and uh, trying to be quiet and observing the mind is very difficult because of all the distractions. I think maybe he went back to live at his parents' house. So immediately they're saying, you know, go do this, go do that. Um, we got all this stuff to do. So you don't, you think you don't have time anymore. And after a while, when he realized that he was failing terribly, 
that he went to go uh, see a local uh, Zen center um, that dealt with people, you know, living everyday lives. And the analogy that I'm trying to get to is a triathlon training camp where you go to Spain for three weeks, like I've done, or two weeks, and you train and train and train, and all you do is train and there's no distractions, but, and you learn all this stuff, how to train, and you get really good, and then you turn around and come back home, <laughs> and now you've got to try to do what you know is the right thing to do, but... You've got meetings, you've got a wedding to go to this weekend, you've got a relative in the hospital, you've got another relative visiting from out of town, you've got uh, to take your kid to school, uh, you've got two, three, I can only imagine, I've got one kid, you can, like two, three kids to school. So how do you do all this training and all the stuff you know with all this distractions going on? And not distractions, it's just life. Distractions minimizes it. This is real, is what they were teaching him. And he went to this uh, local Zen center, um, I guess in England, and he said um, that there was a resident um, teacher, Zen master there, and he said, you know, dear Zen master, please help me. <laughs> I'm so frustrated. I, I used to have it together and now I don't. Um, and I, I can't meditate anymore, it's too distracting. And the, um, the Zen master said, uh, sit. And notice that everything that arises also passes. And the, the, the guy telling the story said that this confused him so much. He said, that is not at all what I learned <laughs> in my three-year retreat. Um, you know, sitting alone in my hut, that's, that's not something that they taught us. And I'll never learn to uh, meditate again if that's what you tell me. And the Zen master said, when next time you sit, and I guess they said, go sit over in that corner right now. And the next time you sit, notice how that that thought arises, that you'll never be good at meditation again and that you're not doing it right. Notice how that arises. And then after a while it passes. And so he said, he, you know, begrudgingly did. <laughs> and um, that after a while, he noticed it was true. Everything that you think, everything that bothers you, everything that pleases you, you know, it's, it's both good and bad, comes and goes. And learning that states of happiness and states of suffering are temporary is actually one of the biggest lessons of them all. And patience, as the Buddha said, is the greatest virtue, is knowing that if you're frustrated right now, just be patient and it will change because it is in the nature of everything to change. Everything changes all the time. So to get upset or suffer or get frustrated that um, things change are changing uh, will make you miserable. And if something is making you miserable, don't worry, it'll change. It'll get better. And then it'll, but don't get all clingy to it being better and the, the, you having it all figured out. Uh, 
it's going to be permanent because it'll change and it'll get screwed up again. <laughs> You'll have to uh, learn to let it go. So that's my challenge to y'all coming to you from Texas is to notice the next time that you have some time uh, to pay attention to your thoughts and to your mind is notice how you'll have feelings about something or you'll think about something. And then after a while, you'll be thinking about something else completely. And it just keeps happening. So don't worry too much about something that's bothering you because your mind will eventually let it go. And Zen, that state of Zen enlightenment and Zen happiness that is so, people think is so um, ephemeral, I think, hard to catch, is actually just not letting things bother you so much because you know that if it is bothering you, it's going to change in, uh, in five minutes, that, that things will change. And um, Zen happiness, Zen calm is like a constant state of, they call it equanimity, I think. And it's just that um, things don't bother you as much. They still bother you. But what you can do is you observe yourself from the outside a little bit more and go, huh. Your reaction to everything is, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, and then you're just more self-aware and more observant and um, you don't react too fast because it's, it's overreacting that leads to trouble, you know, and you can over, overreact too much in a good way, like happiness, right? And you can overreact in a, um, in a bad way. I just seen a, a news story. My, uh, my cousin from uh, Sweden is fascinated with America's uh, Walmart situation. And there was a news story where two people in a parking lot started fighting and this guy punched and beat up, sort of, this lady with a, with a um, uh, pushing a shopping cart with a something, you know, nine-week-old baby in it and also her nine-year-old daughter. And that's overreacting you know, to situations, but she, I wouldn't, it's terrible to say that she started it, but she said, she yelled at him something about him and his shopping. He needs to move his shopping cart. <laughs> and, but you know, it's like back and forth, this overreacting to stuff uh, leads to problems. And if you just remain cool and move on, then you can get done in your life, the things that you want to do, because you're not being pulled around. I like to say being pulled around by your nose, um, by situations that are uh, your, your, emotions have made to be um, more important than they actually are. All right, so those are our Zen lessons for the week. Those are kind of deep, but those are fun to uh, pay attention to until the next show. And I think that's it before we get into the training log. I'm, I'm here in the training uh, cave myself. I've got my uh, tri-bike and um, and the Fubo TV all set up. I think after we get off the mic here, I'm going to go for a run. And oh my gosh, the heat, guys, the heat. It was 106 the other day. And that's without the heat index. Oh, it's absolutely crazy here. Um, my, uh, my cousin from Sweden is actually dealing with it uh, pretty well. He's pretty well traveled. So he's like, yeah, that's really hot. <laughs> Anyway, so that's it. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up this part of the show and get to the training log. Is there any uh, mentions, sponsors? Oh, I got a message and I forgot to wrote down his name and I should have because I owe it to say his name. Let me see if I can find it. But he said he tried Martin, M-A-U-R-T-E-N, 
which is the fuel I've been using that works really good in the heat. And uh, he said he absolutely loves it. Was it on Instagram? I think he messaged me. Let me go to Instagram and see if I can find it. Translate this page. Why would I need to translate this page? Oh, I found it. So this is um, Randy from Amsterdam. Amsterdam said um, he tried Martin Fuel and uh, he commented on a bike ride I did around London on Zwift. And he said, hope you will review your experience with Martin Fuel some more. And I am curious to hear how you compare it to Hornet Juice. Um, Hornet Juice, I ordered it via your website and it works like fire. But maybe you can give some tips on how to use it. And Salt Stick, I still need to give it a try. It looks like Martin is the fuel best, sorted, uh, best suited for me. Well, thanks, Randy from Amsterdam. Randy Van Velthoven. And... Uh, yeah, I did a uh, Martin actually today on a bike ride. It was so hot. I ran first for an hour outside and then I went through about two liters of water, three liters of water and doing an hour on the bike. And it was unbelievable how hot it was, but I'd used the Martin pack that was a uh, 320 calories. So Martin, um, is, Oh, I need to tell my, it's from Sweden. I need to tell my uh, Swedish cousin. this. <laughs> it's, um, it's got some uh, cooking, uh, very common cooking ingredients in it, so they're not bad for you or anything, that turns it into a gel when it hits the stomach acid in your stomach and turns it, yeah, more, it's kind of a pseudo-solid, so it passes your stomach a little bit easier instead of making your stomach upset, and so it gives you a ton of energy. I loved it. It was so great, and it made my bike ride um, really, really great. So, um, yeah, Martin is, I, I tend to save it for hotter workouts because that's the, that's its specialty trick. And the thing is, is Ironmans are almost always super duper hot. By the time you hit the run, um, it's unbelievably hot. I was looking at Ironman Canada, it just went down, and people were talking about how insanely hot it was on the run. So imagine if you had Martin on you, that would have really, really helped. So give them a shout. Okay, that is enough of the stuff. Uh, oh, I, wait, I did get a comment from uh, somebody on Instagram where to go? They said that they're going to W to the ERK. <laughs> also, Freebirds mentioned me. Uh, they used they reused a photo that I took of their hot sauce. Uh, Toe Frog tries mentioned you in a comment and done. Now to eat and get ready for work, or as at Zen Triathlon says, W to the ERK. Hashtag work. All right, so yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram as Zen Triathlon, Twitter as Zen Triathlon. And also zentrafon.com. All right, that's enough of that stuff. Let's go ahead and get to the training log. And here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a trash. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, welcome to another Zentri Log training log. We're here at the Esri 5K on the San Diego Bay. And it is 6.20 in the morning. We start in 10 minutes. And I'm here with the fabulous Mary G. How's it going? It's going pretty great. Uh, I wanted you to know I'm America's youngest karate book author, so nice to meet you. <laughs> This is going to be a good time. This is Mary's first 
5K ever, which is really hard to believe. Because what, what, sport, <laughs> what sports did you do growing up so people know how athletic you are? I did bowling, and I did a week of soccer, and I did color guard for three years, which is a lot of running and flag spinning. So you've been getting into running the past year or so, would you say? How long has it been? Yeah, it's been almost exactly a year since my boss said to start running. And then, let's see, first thing we worked on was foot strike, right? And you were um, not, so you and I haven't run together in months. And I commented how quiet you were running, so you're not slamming your feet into the ground. Yep. And at first your shoulders were kind of back a little bit, and then they relaxed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Yeah. I didn't have anything else to say after a while. I was like, let's just run. And it's a downhill jog about a mile from the hotel that we're staying at to the race. So I thought that'd be a perfect warm-up jog. It's a long, long warm-up for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your longest run lately so far? I used to be able to do like four and a half miles really, really poorly. And now I just do like three regularly. Oh, so we need to designate a meeting spot. How about that tree right there? Is that okay? Yep, last tree. The last tree. All right, cool. Some very serious people here, like, stretching this. So the record for women is, like, 20 minutes. Are you going to be tapping on that door? 100% will not be. <laughs> All right. All right, well, well, we'll be back at the end when it's over. It is really pretty. It's, like, a perfect morning. It's probably, like, 70 degrees, feels like. High sweat factor. Yeah, it is humid. We're right on the water. So we can see Point Loma over there. We can see parts of the Coronado, maybe. Or maybe that's some other hotel. And yeah, we're on the bay side of the San Diego uh, Conference Center. And 700 people, I think. That's about it. All right, be right back. All right, I am back. Oh, wait, is that Mary? Let's go, Mary! All right, welcome to a new training log. I am in San Diego. I'm actually in my hotel room. The week is up. Haven't had a chance to record much yet because I've been so busy doing stuff. I'm here for work, actually. But I did manage to squeeze in a 5K for work that I'll mention. I uh, had a really cool experience with that. And let's see, I figured out a whole bunch of cool stuff. Got it all figured out. <laughs> I should play a gong sound every every time you, uh, I say all figured out. And uh, as a reminder to yourself that you never have it all figured out because it's always changing. But my uh, hotel room is two stair flights from the gym. Hold on, let me have a sip of buttered coffee here. I've got a theory that the butter in the coffee slows down the caffeine and keeps it from hitting me too hard, which is nice. Evens it out. I'm two flights from the gym, so I can get all stinky in the gym and then just get on the stairwell and go back in instead of uh, getting in the elevator with a whole bunch of people being soaking wet with sweat and all gross because these hotel gyms don't have fans in the right places 
which made me think I need a clip-on fan. So if anybody out there has a good idea on the best clip-on fan or fan, well, some kind of battery-powered fan that will also stay in place if you can clip it to a um, to a piece of gym machinery, which is actually could be kind of difficult and hard, that would be really cool. Oh, and the noise in the background is, uh, that's a World Cup commercial or something. But anyway, the Tour de France is on, I think they're on stage seven, which is kind of a tr tradition for me to be in San Diego and the, uh, the tour to be on. And I've been watching it sort of on Fubo TV. Also, it turns out it's on, uh, it's on live on the hotel channel while I'm, while I'm, uh, biking and running. I, f I figured out the channel. <laughs> I was watching it on my phone, you know, killing the battery on my phone. And the, uh, and I was, I was flipping through channels on the workout <coughs> machinery and it, pop it popped up and I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Hold on. Another coffee sip. Yeah, today's like the longest day of the tour. There's some dude on a crazy breakaway. Hmm. I wonder what'll happen. Let's see. Oh, the announcers are so cruel. They always are <laughs> cruel. C-R, cruel. Um, <laughs> it's actually kind of a running joke with a lot of people I know. Is uh, They'll say, why is... Oh, this? he's got to be so disappointed in himself. Oh, he just got caught by the Peloton. What a terrible, terrible thing to happen. And... <laughs> Um, oh, he didn't win today. It's like the worst day in his career. <laughs> and they just said, um, uh, they just said just a few minutes ago, what is wrong with Cavendish? <laughs> he hasn't won anything so far. And, oh man, I just love that. How they're so, compared to American announcers, we're always trying to say the positive thing on, um, in sports newscasting, they they don't go to the negative too quickly. And let's see, uh, there was something else. Oh, on this trip, on purpose, because I knew I was never going to have time to really work out for more than an hour. On purpose, I brought no fuel. Now I've got Amrita bars right here in my hand, actually a bag of them. But those are mostly for the flight and being in uh, these meetings that I'm in. I eat an Amrita bar and then be fine. But uh, no no Gatorade powder, you know, whatever, no uh, Martin. And forcing myself to not have any fuel and go just on stored energy. And I'm fine. It's absolutely fine. Coffee works. A little bit of butter in the coffee. And I'm actually enjoying it. So I'm about to go upstairs and go work out downstairs, upstairs. I don't know which way, to, which way it is. But then um, also weigh myself and get back into... Um, get back on the treadmill I swam one day and bringing swimming stuff is so easy there's an outdoor pool and I measured it on Google Maps you can right click and say measure from here or measure distance I think and yeah measure distance and then you can start measuring things and it looked like it was a bit short of 25 yards so I brought my drag chute and swam with the drag chute turns out the pool has no lane ropes and it's only like a lane, lane and a half wide. So it gets real bouncy. So I figured I would just be better off. I mean, I did a morning of that. but And then in the, after, you know, starting mid-morning afternoon, it's got people in it. 
and so you can't really do that. But I figured I'd just skip that since I'm only able only able to find one workout a day. I figured I'd bike and run because therapeutically, that's uh, running for sure makes me feel good the rest of the day. All right, I got to get upstairs, downstairs, wherever through a stairwell and get on the treadmill and watch some of this tour. It's pretty cool. All right, out, bang. All right, I forgot something. I can talk while we're going up the stairwell. I'm grabbing my bag of stuff here. Gonna leave the tour on. Yeah. And got a travel, travel tip for you here. I'm trying to be quiet make sure I got my room key. It's five in the morning. No, six in the morning. I've got no room key. Where'd it go? Where's my room key? Where's my room key? Now <laughs> watch, I'm gonna lose it while I'm trying to, uh, while I'm trying to find it. Oh no, now I've gathered another set of headphones. It's stuck itself onto the first pair. Man, where's my room key? Oh, I stuck it in my sock already. Look at that. One thing is I usually put my room key in my sock. I love it that these keys nowadays are electronic. Okay, I was gonna talk about groceries. There we go, now we're, now we're in the hallway. Oh wait, the stairwell's right here. Now we're in the stairwell, in the stairwell. Oh, um, if you travel, one of the very first things you should do if you're gonna be somewhere for a few days or longer, very first stop is the grocery store and get everything that you're used to eating right up front. You can call and make sure your hotel has microwave. Mine didn't have a microwave, but it did have a refrigerator. So I get, uh, I'm gonna talk on the stairwell here for a second. I get healthy cereal and milk. And this time I got grass-fed butter. I got instant coffee because hotels, sometimes they give you enough coffee, sometimes they don't. And if you have instant coffee, you can make your own as needed and just run hot water through the um, through the uh, coffee maker. And I know instant coffee tastes like shit, but it still works. There's a metal handrail. Um, what else did I get? I didn't need any energy bars. I didn't need any Gatorade stuff. I know I got something. Oh, I got uh, healthy peanut butter and jelly. So if you get Laura Scudder, um, that peanut butter is made from peanuts. You should not buy peanut butter that has any anything else on the ingredient list besides peanuts and salt. That's all they need to make peanut butter. All that extra stuff is heart disease in a um, in a jar. Uh, hydrogenated, you know, all that crap. You don't need it. And then oh, when I was a kid, my mom used to make peanut butter at home. It's like super easy. And then what was the other thing? Oh, you know, like healthy bread that has lots of cracked wheat and seeds and nuts and stuff in it. And then jelly, get like fruit spread. I like blackberry, which is pretty good. 
and boom, you, at least for a snack, you've got like a really healthy peanut butter and jelly. And that's been my, uh, I should have gotten like trail mix or something like that too, now that I think about it. But that's been my um, go-to every, uh, every day whenever I'm like, oh, I need a little bit of energy, but it's not really time to eat. So I have a little bowl of cereal or some peanut butter and jelly or something like that. All right, now we are on the floor with the treadmill. The pool's open, ain't nobody in it. walking over to the gym first day I got here there's a guy on the peloton but they have a peloton bike here and I was like oh maybe he'll get off the bike no dude he rode it for like <laughs> an hour and a half or something so I was pretty screwed let's see am I the only person in the gym this morning it's Friday morning so you know a lot of people don't work out on Fridays they're not motiva motivated anymore. Let's see if I'm the only one. No. <laughs> There's one person. I think it's a guy. He's on the bench press machine taking a selfie. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm going to go ahead and get on the treadmill and catch up with the tour. Out. Bang. All right, I am standing out in front of my hotel waiting for Morgan to come pick me up. This morning's run, was it a run? What'd I do? Yeah, I ran. <laughs> Actually went uh, really well. Let me put away my AirPods. And then a nice little walk down to work. Have to walk about a mile. And then uh, got all done this morning and went Back to the hotel, cleaned up, cleaned up actually really slowly, and then had everything all done. Got a uh, got an egg burrito, ate that while I uh, packed up, and then Morgan and I are coordinating on him driving down from North County to uh, pick me up. And as he did. Uh, I was waiting, so I went to the weight room and lifted weights while um, my, uh, my ride was arriving. I wonder if this is him. This is him. Hold on. What did he just say? It's going to leak? It could. <laughs> I thought that's what you said it was going to leak. Well, it's cold, but it's going to get warm. And oh, no. We'll be good. It's in this paper bag though. Groceries I'm not gonna use, I'm gonna give to you. Right on. As rent. That's right. Pay your way, you blanket. Alright, I'm recording. Hey, you texted me that you're here. I did. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me make sure I'm recording. Alright, I am. I'm here with Morgan. Hey. Hey oh. With his twisted mustache and beard. That's right. So it's been about a year since you've been on? Uh, yeah, no, I think it's been exactly a year. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, let's see. My son was on. It was the Swim Kid episode. Oh, yeah, last year we, with uh, his uh, swim adventures. Uh, life on the swim team. So I was just talking about while I was waiting for you, I went down and lifted weights. Ooh, getting swole. I did. Getting I swole. got all swole up. And 
Let's see. I guess that's it. So we're going to drink some beer today? Yes. And I'm going to continue to work, but nobody knows that. <laughs> I just work with money. It's fine. We're going to watch. <laughs> that's true. We're going to watch uh, Le Tour. Le Tour. A replay of it, maybe? Because mm -hmm. I caught the end of it, but it was still pretty cool. I only caught the very, very last bit. I had it running in the background most of this morning, but didn't see a lot of the the nuance and the detail. All the drama that unfolds at the tour. Stage seven. I think uh, really soon is the cobblestone stage. And, oh, I got to make notes of this trip so that when and if I come back, if and when, you know, things to remember, like where that grocery store is. Did you find Whole Foods? It's not Whole Foods, it's like a Ralph's. Oh, yeah. So, but it's like part of the mall, maybe? The mall is like empty, like it's half its stores are gone. Have you heard anything about that? No, I have not. But it doesn't yeah. surprise me. Malls are going away, right? Oh, yeah. I should have noticed that whenever I made a uh, hashtag in my to-do list for Amazon. <laughs> hashtag dropship. <laughs> I've got, uh, what did I decide I needed? I've got headbands that are worn out. I have to twist them to, to um, make them small enough to fit on my giant head, which means they are worn out. You've got a pretty little knot on your head while you're running. I do. Well, they're like spiraled, like, you know what I mean? It's just terrible. And that, that's not, that doesn't look pro. Just saying. No, I did not look pro at all. Oh, when I was lifting just a minute ago, there was um, some dude came in and was way, way too high energy for me. I had to shake my head and just walk off. Because I'm like, I know you can do that. He was doing jump rope, but he had to whip it around. And so it made a lot of noise. You could hear it over the treadmills and stuff. Did he yell at you? There was like, 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 you getting it in? And then he did something with that. I wasn't paying attention. And then, uh, then he came over and I was trying to re-rack re 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 some weights. And he had like this hip strap thing that he clipped a dumbbell to. And he was getting ready. He'd already like fitted himself, you know, with his hands kind of all over the pull-up bar area. Oh, no. <laughs> he's doing weighted chin-ups. Yeah, he's doing some kind of weighted oh, chin-ups. And he had some kind of shirt that had like a muscle ghost on it with its arms up in the air like it was ready to wrestle. What, what, what do I know? I, I don't know. <laughs> And I just, I, I just, I just looked at him, and kind of my body went limp, and I shook my head. And he turned around and looked at me because there's mirrors, you know. He can kind of see that I'm like going, "Dude, come on! Like, you're wearing me out, man, with all this." Did you give him? The, you gave him the th the three sport shame, the three sport head, yeah, head shake shame. Like, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, come on, bro. Like, you can be king of the gym, but go outside and try to do some real stuff, and let's see. I play, I play real sports. I don't try to figure play, out the um, best. Cornhole. Cornhole's a sport, <laughs> damn it. It's a really good sport. Hey, I wasn't too bad for only playing once before. No, you didn't do too bad at all. Well, okay. you've got decent hand-eye coordination, so that certainly helps. Yeah, what I figured out was, okay, cornhole is the beanbag toss game thing that's for real. And it's a long throw. It's like the real 27 feet. 27 feet. And um, so I did the proper learning technique, right? Now that I'm too old to actually get good at anything anymore i've learned how to uh, learn properly i could have used this when i was younger is my point is 
uh, learning is a process or a process if you're in Canada and you, um, you, you try you do it, try to do it perfectly and then iterate on that perfection. And there's like lots of ways to do it. One way is to do the distance shorter, right? And then slowly move out the, um, the target. You could do that. I didn't have time for that. Um, because the course you, was all were, set up. You were thrown right into yeah. the Sunday night league play. That would have been funny if I go, let me practice and moved it, picked it up and moved it <laughs> Can I get to like five feet away and wait wait till I get like three in a row and then I go, okay, now I'm going to move it half a foot. Brett's Brett. trying to pull. It's, there's no girl tees in cornhole. What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, but So what I decided to do um, was I noticed that if I threw it a certain way, it always, remember I was like really wide to the left, right? A whole bunch of times in a row and then i thought okay so i just uh twist my body aiming more to the right really didn't seem to help so what i did was i twisted my 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 body so my foot position was more aimed towards the right and that forced it to go uh like a couple feet to the right (laughs) and then they started landing all the time like right there but i still had lots of problems but it was cool like watching the body learn um, how to do something right by, um, oh, and then the other thing, my watch is going crazy. The other thing was, um, oh, what was the other thing, Morgan? I forgot now. You took a hard right turn and now I forgot where I am. We're going to get on the five north, enjoy some, uh, midday traffic. Lots of motorcycles out today because, uh, oh, it is pretty day. Yeah. Oh, there was some other key to uh, learning. Being consistent. Oh, the other thing I learned was uh, kind of like bowling. I was taking steps to throw. And then I kind of looked around and noticed that I was the only one. I might have been the only one doing that. People maybe take like one yeah, step. There's a couple of guys. Yeah, there's usually, there's a couple of guys that do throw with a step. But uh-huh. uh, really, the whole it's like golf. You want to remove as much mm-hmm. potential movement out of it as possible. So you have fewer um, spots where stuff could go wrong. Yeah. So each round, you don't get to go four times in a row in a round. You have to. You have a guy on your side that throws. You alternate with him. So you throw and then you wait, like maybe twenty seconds, and then you get to throw again. Wait twenty seconds. So what I figured out that works was to um, grab all the bean bags, all four of them. Keep three in one hand when I start off. One in the throw hand. Throw hand loot, and. <laughs> That'd be a good team. That'd be a good team name when for go, a cornhole. When we, go, when we go play at these tournaments, there's all sorts of like it's like uh, two dudes, one hole. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, all sorts of. You know, kind of like Ragnar, where the, the the women go completely over the top, and they just call themselves moms or Team Milf. Yeah, I'll never forget exactly. that. I was like, really, what are we doing here? So then, uh, so what I learned was just stand in the same place, and with every throw you do. Make a correction, a slight correction. So on my first throw, just I don't move my feet. I throw it, and then I'd be a little bit to the left, right? So I'd adjust my stance just a tiny bit to the right. And it's easy to do because I'm not moving. I'm just, like, standing in the exact same spot. And then I would throw. Now I, now I would be in line, but I would throw a little bit um, too hard, and it would go over. A lot of times I threw it a little bit too soft because, man, that's a long way. And I was like... Kept underestimating how hard you had to throw it to get it that far. Well, it, ta- it takes some muscle memory. It, all you got to do to be pretty decent at cornhole is just play a lot, and then the rest of it is if you start getting into the nuances of it, like 
you got to develop different shots. Ones that slide, ones that you know that are kind of they're called air mails. You know, over the top where you can you know shove it right in the hole directly. Shove it right in the hole? Yeah. Probably not. But still. Oh, and the last thing was I figured out a way that I like to hold it. So I held the beanbag the exact same way every single time. So with consistency, I got better. I still was not great or maybe even good, but I was good for a new guy showing up. Yeah. I haven't played in like two years. I don't, I've only played once before in my life. It was pretty cool. So thanks, dude, for taking me. Heck yeah, thanks for coming. It was good. It was, uh, it was a great day out there. When I got there, I was like, oh, shit, this is going to take forever. And this is going to be a long time. And then y'all started playing Cinderella and Van Halen. Mm-hmm. And what was the other good stuff on there? Scorpion. Scorpion. Scorps. Yeah. Here I am. Here, now, now, now. Rock you like a hurricane. Na, 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 na. Oh, and then Guns N' Roses' Patience came on. That was yep. rad. That was so rad. And uh, we could throw and have a uh, an IPA in one hand if we wanted, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I think the other mem- the other uh, competitors would actually encourage that. Uh, yes, drinking is encouraged. It is like <laughs> bo- it is literally like bowling. Like it's <laughs> drinking is encouraged. It is, dude. That's exactly what it was. It was like outdoor bowling. Yeah, we we kind of call it's like we call alcohol uh, we call alcohol aim fluid. Yeah, we got you know. Well, there's a there's a the right amount. Like I had just the right amount where I wasn't nervous right i didn't really care so i didn't have any anxiety and that was like the perfect amount and then once you have more than that yeah then you start seeing like two holes there's there's definitely a plateau you're like those two holes are too close to each other (laughs) if i close one eye they turn into one (laughs) sometimes that's how i drive uh anyway so um yeah we're gonna watch the tour and oh my list on things to remember for when I come next time. Let's see, the hotel has a gym. The pool is too short to swim in, really, so bring a drag chute. I only swam once. I need to write that down. That it was kind of like, yeah. It was okay. Oh, dude, I'm on the treadmill. I'm on the treadmill running, and this giant freaking seagull, one of your monster seagulls you have out here, it's it's like a pelican. Like, painted like a seagull is what it looked like it was so freaking big it lands on the pool deck and it's just like the glass between me and the treadmill and then like five to ten feet of pool deck and then the pool yeah and it just starts walking around and we're on the third floor and there's no fish or anything in there right so i'm like what is that thing doing so it's like casually walking back and forth and then it starts looking in the windows like to see who's inside yeah and it looks like a cartoon it's got that ridiculous beak on it that looks like one of those um bananas from like not skittles but runts you ever eat those runt candy mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know those candy bananas that are in there that's what its beak looked like and then it walked around and then it got in and it started swimming around <laughs> and it swam down to one side and i'm like well you're probably not going to swim in that today dude because it's probably in that thing maybe i don't know um but the humans that get in there do that too i'm sure peeing we thought we saw a guy last night Oh, in yeah. the fountain, um, himself off a little bit. That was possibly uh, taking a dump in his drawers and then rinsing sure. his drawers out in a public an awful fountain. A lot of time directing water jets in places. We noticed. That's that's it. That's a lot of unneeded water jet adjustment. 
when you have to tell somebody to stop adjusting the water jet with their crowd with their cr- <laughs> with their crotch it's time for them to get out of the pool David, that's a lifeguard off, rule David, David stop stop playing with the jets David David David, David stop playing David David I'm gonna call adult swim right now no, no offense to anyone named David <laughs> if you keep doing that all right uh, are we gonna stop by the grocery store uh, or do you have some somewhere. IPA I do not have any form of beer in the house. Oh, um, so we will stop and acquire some. I have um, butter. I need, I need to eat. Is another thing. I, I have butter. I already ate just a little while ago, so I feel fantastic. God. You can have some of my butter. I left a gallon, half a gallon of milk in the uh, refrigerator, two percent. Yeah, no, I could have used that. And then uh, made out of real cows, and then. Let's see. I've got some cereal. I've got some cereal. I've got peanut butter and jelly and bread. Oh, that's always handy. Yeah, like healthy. I never touch the stuff, but I mean, I'll I'll do it. Did you hear about the boy? It was in the news this morning that got third degree burns from clearing out a hog bush. Those um, uh, dangerous milkweed things that burn people. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. So this is crazy. Is it called hogweed? Hogweed. Hogweed. Yeah, hogweed. Okay, so what happens is is the sap. This this kid was clearing brush, doing service hours for something. Uh, I think he might have been a college kid, and the sap. He got the sap of this bush or weed all over him, and it turns out that this stuff, um, when it interacts with your skin, it makes your skin super sensitive to sunlight. So basically, it doesn't burn you the sun burns you with a massive sunburn like in minutes or something like that so i didn't even i think i might have heard of this one time before and just kind of was like well that sucks oh there's a the other one i'd heard of before is um there's some bush or something like that in in um australia of course course. (laughs) and uh (laughs) that basically if you touch it it makes you want to die. It hurts so bad that you want to kill yourself. And the uh, thistles sounds like my are life. <laughs> the thistles are so like thin and light and short and, and like barely visible that you can't. You know, it's not like cactus thorns where you can find it. Where you can find them, yeah. they're like in you, and then they're in you for years, and you have pain for years. So I think this is kind of like in that same realm of like bad. But this is like different because third degree burns causes scarring usually. And if you scar, um, your skin doesn't have sweat glands in anymore. Your skin doesn't have elasticity, you know, like everything's that area would be real tight. Like, like, like when somebody suffers from, uh, from burns, like in a car crash or, um, or being in an airplane or being in blink 182. And then they can't stretch their, their body out because they're um, all scarred up. What was the guy's name? Who, what? In Blink-182 when they got in the airplane crash. Uh, wasn't it the drummer? Uh, Travis? Uh, yeah, Travis Barker. Yeah. Barker. 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 Yeah, he got, he got burned Barker. pretty bad in an uh, airplane did accident. Uh, we're going to fact check that. Well, one of them did. One of the Blink-182 guys did. I think it was Tom. I don't know. We'll have to look at it. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's it. So I've been rambling on quite a bit. I got a, um, 
I got an email from the publicist of the guy that started the Orange Mud brand. Have you heard of Orange Mud at all? I have not. You're not in the um, ultra running, the obstacle course kind of scene. They started out making um, kind of like Camelbacks, but better than Camelbacks um, for obstacle racing and trail running. And basically, uh, I listened to a podcast with him on it before. It's the, he might have started the whole thing with the, um, they're like chest and shoulder mounted water bottle holders. So you can reach behind your back like a quiver of arrows and grab a water bottle behind your back and then drink from that instead of carrying a, a pouch of water on your back, maybe. I've never tried one. Maybe, maybe me interviewing him will lead to, uh, them sending me one to try out because that would be pretty cool but um yeah so i emailed him back and said yeah that'd be pretty cool to interview sweet started the whole company by himself um like quit his job or something like that and started up the whole company and then it just grew which is pretty cool man yeah i'm just trying to make this drive go by dude i know yeah it's so far I've done this drive. This is the fourth time I've done this drive in the last 15 hours. Well, we can ride in the carpool lane with two people? Yes, we can. All right. We will do so. Although the traffic right now is not going to be so bad. Yeah. This will be like the first time I've really seen the ocean. Because the other time riding with you is at night. Maybe. I don't remember. Or it's just from the airport to your house. Oh, yeah. well, that's, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? I, ignored, I was ignoring you there for a second, trying yeah. not to kill us in traffic. All right, uh, I'm gonna get off the microphone so he doesn't kill us in traffic. Apparently, that's that's becoming me. a problem. When did they build that building? Uh, they just built it in the middle of the freeway. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the, oh wait, it's off to the side. Valley. Like over there on that side, there's the Atkins people, and then oh Sorrento Valley. I used to work yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, so this is Carmel Valley. We're in Carmel Valley right now. Yeah. Oh, there's those houses that are gonna slide off. There is the Pacific Ocean. Oh, traffic jam right on cue. Oh, God. We're going to... Ah! What? Oh, why? What? Why all this traffic? Oh. <laughs> why? Because I, you're here. I love that There's I There's the ocean. I love that I work from home. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Is, that, uh, is that Torrey Pines? Uh, no, that is uh, Carmel Valley. No, that's Torrey Pines that is not Torrey Beach. Beach. That's Torrey Pines Beach. No, it's not. Wait a second, you're right, that's Torrey Pines. Yeah. How do I know that and you don't? That's because that was my, uh, that was my stomping uh, grounds when I used to work here. Yeah. I liked Torrey Pines and La Jolla Shores. Yeah. Um, Torrey Pines, because it was away from everybody. I could get in there and surf before work. And the dolphins were good. Or as your son called them, smiley sharks? Smile sharks. Small sharks. <laughs> Not to be confused with the sea flap flap or the uh, oh. or aqua doggo. Those are completely different. What's an aqua doggo? Uh, seals. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always think of um, stingrays as kind of like aqua dogs. Sea flap flap. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're so friendly in, the, in uh, captivity. They keep coming up and flapping their arms against their arms. What might be their arms? Against the side of the... Um, I almost said cage. Yeah. I'm off on this. 
<laughs> side of the tank. And they want more food, but they're very cute. They're like, hey, feed me. Send in Steve Irwin. Yeah. I'll take care of some business. All right, that's it, Outbang. All right, we are at the airport. I can actually see my plane, supposedly. I never believe it till it actually takes off, by the way. <laughs> and I'm flying back to Texas and uh, all my years of flying and doing stuff like that, I thought I would have a little bit here on some travel tips, things I'm doing lately that seem to really pan out. One, when you're packing uh, stuff, I have an electronic toothbrush and electronic or electric um, shaver. Uh, those go in the suitcase, obviously, but open them up and take the batteries out because there's two problems. One, they could get accidentally switched on and then run your batteries down. And then that's a pain in the ass to uh, go find batteries at the last minute. But then also, so your luggage doesn't come out of the um, carousel or go through whatever and vibrating like you've got sex toys in there. Being less than uh, optimal. Unless that's what you want in life. I mean, you never know. But then, uh, I mean, maybe that's how you meet people. I'm, I'm not going to judge. But then the uh, next one is that I'm doing today is um, I'm wearing a black t-shirt, but it's one of those um, performance fabrics, you know, the, the uh, high wick rate, I don't know what you would call them, not cotton, um, to stay cool on the plane. And if you wear lighter colors and people can see your uh, stuff through it more than you want, but I found that black is actually a uh, really nice uh, color choice. So got that going on and uh, flip-flops and sorry, I needed to move. I had some lady just come up and just stand next to me for no reason. <laughs> I'm trying to get uh, by myself oh, and she just did it again. So now I'm moving over here. Jeez, people some personal space California Texas we have like all the personal space we want it's freaking great anyway um, got on my iPhone I've got podcasts and audiobooks already downloaded and, and uh, loaded up I've got uh, the airpods which are it turns out for traveling airpods any kind of wireless um, bluetooth headphones are fantastic because you um, end up like getting all tangled up in cords and stuff like that when you're in your seat trying to grab stuff. And then there's a trick that some people don't know is if you need to charge things, if you have your laptop with you, a MacBook, um, I have a MacBook Air, is you can plug things in like your phone or your AirPods to start charging them. Um, for that to start charging, you have to have your your laptop on and the screen open, the lid open. But then once it starts charging, you can close your laptop screen and your laptop will turn off, but your, um, your devices will keep charging. It's actually pretty cool. So you can use your laptop as a portable charger. It's pretty nice. And then I've got a book, an old fashioned, old school book to read. If, um, 
you know, when you're taking off and they tell you to turn off everything and everybody's pretending like they've actually turned stuff off. <laughs> um, and a lot of times they haven't. But uh, to complete the uh, picture, you know, a book, some kind of business book that Morgan gave me. And on top of that, oh, you can bring food in, but not liquids. So I brought my, um, I got an egg burrito. <laughs> on the drive to the airport and I've eaten half of it and the uh, other half I was able to get past TSA there's something where I need to get my seat assigned over here too so my ticket has no seat assignment I'm going to go ahead and take care of that right now out bang um, one thing I forgot to mention <laughs> that uh, I also bring with me now is earplugs because uh, sometimes headphones aren't enough. You got a screaming baby right behind you. Earplugs are really nice. I have a little Ziploc of them in my um, in my carry-on bag, and then also um, a sleeping mask, which I found to be one of the biggest things that you can possibly uh, improve in your life to get more rest is a sleeping mask, just in general. And so now I'm starting to bring it on flights too because you need to catch sleep and somebody's got the window open and it's glaring uh, bright light and a sleeping mask can change your life. You can take a nap any time of day by throwing one of these things on. And uh, mine's super fancy. It's got uh, stars and moons on it. It's really manly. <laughs> but anyway, so I've got that. Uh, you know, I had it on the flight out here and I never occurred to me to use it. I was actually editing a podcast while I was on the plane. And also you can um, preload in your mind and in your bag work to do that doesn't require an internet connection. Or you can sit on the flight and meditate and pen and paper or pencil and an eraser and paper and um, uh, just uh, let your mind wander and write down the things that uh, come to mind that are actually pretty important. It's a really great time to um, think if you want. The, uh, the thing that Morgan was telling me on the way over here is he doesn't do work on the plane. He flies a lot. And that's his downtime to actually think instead. He could do work if he wanted to, but he just doesn't. So that's pretty cool. And I need to pay attention to what group they're calling here, so I'm going to get off the mic. And yeah, that's it. Out bang. Right, I'm back in Texas. Holy cow. It's I started at seven in the morning or so running. Today the high is gonna be a hundred, I think, and really high humidity, really high. So it is brutal already. But anytime you change environments, you learn stuff. So pay attention whatever you change about what you keep and what you lose. Zen changed as it came over to America, for example, after it changed when it came over, went over to Japan from China. But anyway, I did, oh, I noticed running on the treadmill that if I leaned back a little bit more than what I was used to doing, that all of a sudden my uh, form was better. I was more relaxed. I ran just as fast. I was comfortable. So then it made me remember or think about, you know, I have learned over the years to run really forward leaning and maybe I'm doing it too much and that's what's 
aggravating plantar fasciitis. And then the other thing was I remember a while back running with Zoe for the first time, my dog, and she's all over the place. So left side of the road, right side of the road. She wants to go everywhere. So we went uphills and downhills, places that normally would really aggravate my plantar fasciitis either by the end of the run or the next day. And I noticed the next day that not only was it not aggravated, but it actually felt really good. I was like, what was the difference? And the only difference, even though I did all that stuff, was running with a dog pulling on a leash. I was leaning back more to resist the pull, you know, to balance out the pull. Because she's, she's only like a year old, so she's all over the place. And so today when I was running, I was like, okay, you learned this from running on the treadmill three, four times, however many times I did. Lean back more. You're just as fast. And so that's what I did. And lo and behold, I was just as fast. This is outdoor running with a little bit of hills. And then the slopes of the road that would normally bother me if they slope off to the left, bother my right foot, um, didn't bother me because if you're landing a little bit more heel strike and pushing off a little bit more with your heels, you're not using your forefoot to push off and then you don't have that slope pushing off on your forefoot. You don't notice it as much. It's not as effective and it doesn't torque everything and it doesn't pull on your calves. And I was like, whoa, that is really cool. And also, it's important to remember when you look at the best runners in the world, they have almost no calves. <laughs> so you don't really need to push off with your forefoot. You just need to push off the right way for you. And, you know, run flat-footed, whatever you want. But just remember in your mind how much, those, how big those Kenyan calves are. And they're not, they're almost non-existent. And they're the fastest in the world. And also you have less weight at the end of your legs to propel. There's Kai. Woo! You ready to go biking? coming running out into the street you're tearing up your socks Man, you're sweaty man you're furry dude you got cat fur all over you Ew. okay Sweat we need to see if my tires are aired up kai and i are gonna go for a bike ride is that cool yep we're gonna ride the feeder road oh yeah down to Navajo. oh yeah you need to make up bottles with ice in them okay because it's a billion degrees. I need to see if my tires went flat while I was gone. Because that's a bad sign if they did. Can you open that? Hola. Hola, Papa. All right, back in Texas, part two. First swim back. It's been a week since I've uh, swam boy that was difficult <laughs> I decided to swim along and just swim for an hour uh, non-stop and I actually couldn't do it my uh, eyes were bigger than my stomach stomach bigger than my eyes which way is it anyway and I had to stop at like 46 minutes and take a break for one minute catch my breath and uh because I know at 30-something minutes in, I kind of blew up a little bit and then slowed down. 
And then after a while, I was like, dude, you just need to catch your breath, period. Um, the reason I'm sharing this is people training for Ironmans hardly ever, 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 ever swim the full distance in training. And that's not smart. You should definitely swim the full distance in training at least on occasion so that you know what you're getting into and know how to pace yourself and have some expectations and then don't be pissed off whenever you get out of the water and see that you've gone slower than uh, your abilities or even if you've gone faster that maybe you need to uh, slow your pace just a little bit but anyway uh, my bike ride with Kai yesterday was fantastic we um I'm pulling stuff out of my swim bag here to uh, let it dry out a little bit. I'm trying to reorganize some things. <laughs> Whenever you come back from out of town, man, it is a pain in the ass. I'm trying to find all your crap. There we go. And reorganize it. There we go. Whew. I got things in places they shouldn't go. Gotta move things to other places. Everything slows you down. Amrita bar before my swim so shout out to them so Kai and I went out for a an hour and a half bike ride so 45 minutes out um, a little bit of a access road on the freeway for a while which is actually where we live actually really safe and pretty safe and then and then a little Oh, a lot of uh, riding down a country road. Turn around and back. Way out in the boonies. Got swampy back in there. Uh, nice and uh, rolling hills. All that good stuff. But anyway, the cool thing was, I'd say about 30 minutes in, I said, race to the top of that hill, or something like that. And it's a one-minute hill, you know. And... I managed to beat him, which was uh, really impressive for me because <laughs> he weighs like 150 pounds or 130 pounds or 120 pounds. And then, um, probably 120. But then it was on. So three more times we raced some hills just for fun. We're, and I was explaining to him while we were riding, I said, this is polarized training. This is where you cruise along nice and easy. And then on occasion really hammer hammer it hard and go anaerobic and get some uh, burn in your muscles and the burn in your muscles uh, improves you over time and the uh, easy pace teaches you to um, be efficient and economical and it was funny um, well so the next two hills he beat me quite easily and then the last hill was a longer hill it was a three minute hill and he was beating me at the beginning but from experience I know this hill and I um, eventually caught him at the top he faded it was like a triple hill like it goes up levels up levels and up one more time and the last one 
I uh, I beat him. And uh, but then when it went over the top and then down to the started on the downslope, he caught me. And then of course I was coasting. And then he goes, "Caught you, beat you. The official end is right here." <laughs> it's like great. <laughs> I got the riding buddy I deserve. And uh, but the thing that was super impressive was riding with him doing this polarized training is my heart rate uh, hit 178, which is awesome, awesome, awesome uh, anaerobic work. Good aerobic work too, because that lifts your uh, VO2 max up to do some uh, lung expanding. I mean, it was killing me. It was awesome though. Absolutely loved it. And that was after, I think I said earlier, I ran like 6.6 or 6.7 miles jogging, just easy, running more on my heels. Then we got this. Uh, we've got this super heavy-duty massager. We got, I mean, like 20 years ago. Which plug it into the wall, weighs probably 10 pounds, and uh, it's got these two nubs, big nubs on it. And last, yeah, not last night. Well, last night and yesterday afternoon, I put that on my heel and um, rubbed, rubbed the uh, the pain spot for my plantar fasciitis and what's going on is the tendon is pulling away from the um, it's injured right there where it pulls away from your heel bone and that's the sore spot and really it'll heal faster if you get more blood flow to it but it's a tendon so it doesn't get much blood flow so vibrating it you know agitates it in a safe way and gets blood flow to it more circulation to it and that was really nice I woke up this morning and my uh, not only did my feet feel pretty good but my uh, right heel felt different it felt tingly and sparkly like it was going oh wow look at me I'm alive so maybe that's maybe that's a good sign we won't know for a couple more days <laughs> oh riding with Kai I rode my road bike I've got a true north titanium road bike it's super cool um, the gearing's all messed up. I need to get it replaced. The uh, right shifter, I was in a, in a bike wreck and I broke the right shifter. It's campy. And uh, let's see. Kai's going to um, Coding Academy. He's not happy about it. But it's one of those things where he's not happy about it. And lots of things have happened like this to him. And probably. To All right, I'm back. That was Emily calling about the coding academy. So Kai's going to coding academy. They're going to learn to program drones this week. And uh, he's not happy about it, but it's one of those things. He wasn't happy about joining swim team either until we made him. And then all of a sudden he was like, I love it. It is so great. The key was to help him find something, you know, that he's good at, a part of it that he's good at. And then they go, oh, that's a lot of fun being good at part of it. That's it. I got to go back into W to the ERK, get some work done. Been gone for a week. Um, a little tip I've learned with uh, work. I used to do the thing where you're on vacation, don't ever check your email. And what I've learned is in Zen, you know, it's neither everything nor neither nothing, neither both things, neither one single thing. It's all things middle path uh, you just got to find the right balance and 
what I found is when you're away from work on vacation, what I found for me is when I'm away, I actually like to check my email on rare occasion and know what I'm coming back to. And then when I show up, I'm not like, oh my God, what has happened? I actually show up and can um, take care of some problems. You know, uh, not, I'm not stressed. I was actually more stressed not knowing what had been going on and coming back than um, just kind of keeping on top of things a little bit. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, that's my pro tip from W to the ERK. Out, big. All right, walking up to the house. Just finished a morning run. Ooh, it is hot. High is around 99, 100. That's without the heat index. Walking into the breeze, which is, I'm lucky to finish up my run. Okay, several things. When I'm running to remember things that I think of while you're running, kind of like shower thoughts, I'm like, oh, I need to get milk. That's, um, I pull out a finger and I go, one thing, remember that. Or two things, or three things. Remember, then when I get back to the house, I'm in the habit of going, what were the things I thought of? There's three things. It was get milk, talk about the road surface, and something else. I'll remember in a second. But anyway, I wanted to mention high mileage runners, like people training for marathons and Ironmans and stuff, half Ironmans. You've got to really pay attention to road surface and changes. That's what messes you up over time. Cleat movement on your bike. They repaved a big section of my road that I run on. And it took out, the, it changed the slope on that side of the road. It's now more severe. And these little things add up. And also, I'm running in my Adidas Boost. And I noticed that starting off, my heels hurt. And it's because I have a higher heel and I was banging my heels in the ground. Running downhill a little bit, very slightly. And that was abusing my heels. And Adidas Boost, I've learned they're very squishy. They don't have as much control, even the um, stability ones. And I think that may be a problem. But that's another thing to notice. And then also, I got Kai to go bike this morning. And the way I did it is one, the way to wake up a kid is go in their room and start lifting weights in their room. <laughs> and like grunting and stuff like that. It drives them crazy. Put on a little bit of music, like some hip hop rap and start lifting weights. They will start yelling at you to get out. But guess what? They're up. And this is because last night we were talking about him going biking in the morning before he goes to coding school. And then also last night I said, oh yeah, you're going to find me out there running and you can sneak up on me and attack me from behind, scare me. And see, for a 13-year-old, that's wonderful. So that also got him up this morning. And he found me three times out there and tried to sneak up on me which scared the crap out of me. But the end result is he was out biking. There's other kids biking on their way to football practice. There's a kid running with his mom all the time, I see. So I needed Kai to get up and get out there. Okay, that's it, out big. All right, leaving the pool. There's a guy over there yelling on his cell phone. Like a big weightlifter dude. It's the roids are kicking in. <laughs> anyway, 
let's see. I uh, had a really, really, really good swim and lots of interesting training tips happened. I want to share. You hear the birds? I'm gonna wear no socks for a little bit today. I grew up on boats a lot and at lakes, not too much on the ocean, but, oh, and around pools. And so, oh, in a preppy neighborhood. I should, God, I got so many qualifiers here. And so I grew up wearing topsiders and Sperry deck shoes and stuff like that, all that preppy stuff. I'm considering starting to wear them because I do not know why I wear socks. Except for when I was younger, my feet stunk. But it was mostly the socks that stunk now that I thought about it. Here, I need to unpack my swimming stuff. Hold on just a second. I think I'm getting dive bombed by birds. I got my mesh swimming bag. And hang up my towel. Hang it up in my car so it can air out. And then I crack the windows in my car just a little bit in the summer months so that things can air out. Get all nice and dry. I'm gonna grab my socks. I'm gonna grab my socks and take them in with me to work just in case I change my mind. These birds are intense today. Uh, I think that might do it. Unpack some stuff there. So the uh, the swim related one is I fueled on UCAN this morning, and I was a little bit thirsty, but I didn't want freaking hot coffee before working out because it's a billion degrees here right now. I've got this trick. <laughs> I had some uh, leftover UCAN in my pantry, and we have a discount discount code for that. Um, it's either Zen or Zen Try. I'll have to look it up. But anyway, it's on my website, zentriathlon.com. There's a link for UCAN. Woo! There's the AC. And so UCAN is a very slow release starch. And there's a problem while you're swimming. If you're training for an Ironman, you got your uh, swim that's like an hour plus long. So if you train in swimming, eating fuel and stuff like that during your swim practice, you're not training yourself to endure the, um, the hour plus with no fuel on banked reserves and just constant swimming. And it's, it's a different experience, you know? It's very different. So I like doing UCAN, a scoop of UCAN, and it gives you energy throughout your swim. And let's see, if you were swimming um, something long, the, the time I swam across Lake Tahoe, which was 13 and a half hours long or something like that, 22 miles, we did, um, we stopped every 20 minutes and fueled. But that's because we were gonna be going for all day. <laughs> so you need to stop and fuel. Uh, you can't go on nothing. So since you're stopping, uh, whatever. But during the swim in an Ironman, you don't stop. It'd be kind of silly if you did. So what do you do? Well, you can actually works. 
uh, really good for that, which you need to practice with it. And yeah, it's a super starch. So it's, um, well, it's kind of like, it's like maltodextrin, but maltodextrin is super fast acting. So it's maltodextrin in a way that's been heat tempered. So it resists um, digestion. So the best example is a green banana. A green banana that's not really quite ripe yet. It has starch in it, but it's just going to um, take a while to digest. It resists digestion for a little bit, resistant starch. So that meters it out so you don't get a whole lot of energy and then an energy crash, which would be bad because if you have that energy crash, you need to stop and refuel, but you can't stop and refuel because you gotta keep going because no one's stopping and refueling during the swim of an Ironman. And there's all this like fat burning stuff that is related to that. But anyway, being crowded in traffic here. Some, some brave ladies trying to cut in on it. The, uh, the trick I found is you can, comes in different flavors if you want, you can get plain. And I'm always experimenting with different stuff because you never know. One time I put Tabasco in my coffee to see what that tastes like. You never know. Well, I know now it sucks. Don't do that. But <laughs> you can and Diet Coke, plain you can plus Diet Coke tastes really, really good. Um, and plus it's slightly carbonated because there's something with the UCAM where it interacts with the uh, CO2 molecules and it, it, uh, it reacts and it foams a little bit. So you got to be ready for that. Don't, don't put it in a thing of Diet Coke. And then uh, we'll see what I did this morning was a bike bottle and I filled it with Diet Coke first or you can first. I can't remember which one I did first. Doesn't matter. And then I poured in a scoop of you can. And then I gave it a gentle shake and that was a mistake. <laughs> Maybe you should like slightly stir it first. Don't shake it because it will foam and uh, it almost blew the lid off the uh, UCAN. It was shooting little squirts of UCAN Diet Coke like uh, up in the air. It was kind of funny, like a little volcano. But it wasn't too bad. But anyway, and then with some ice in it and I drank that on my way to the swim and it was nice. The carbonation was crisp and refreshing. The ice was cool and cooling. And the, uh, the you can, you have to eat it, drink it, um, about half an hour before you want to start working out. It takes about half an hour for it to start working. So then this morning I uh, did an hour long swim and I noticed I didn't fade I was doing a 121 pace and then I faded to a 122 a little bit and then I slowed to a 123 towards the end, which is really hauling. That's like a 57 minute hour or something like that. I averaged a 122 and I didn't start slowing down noticeably because I'm doing the beep timer thing until 50 minutes 51 52 minutes something like that which is a nice feature of the beep timer that you swim a pace and you can notice how long you're beating the timer and then when you stop beating the timer and you start you start going the same speed as the timer take a note on your watch you go like oh I'm uh, 52 minutes in 
<laughs> and that's um that's what I did this morning. So it's, I wanted to share that with everybody. You can and Diet Coke, plain you can. I don't know about mixing the flavors in there. My taste kind of weird. And I guess you could do the flavor. You can and then um uh no Diet Coke if you want or maybe carbonated water. Ooh, that's a good one. Or just ice water. Whatever you want. Okay, so then the other thing is last night I did a low cadence ride while watching the Tour de France. Two things in there. Uh, stage 10 is what I was watching. Two things in there. There's a training trick. Don't uh, watch your favorite TV show or videos, whatever you do, Netflix, until uh, unless you're on the bike or on the treadmill. Right? That'll force you to get on the bike or the treadmill because you're like, I want to watch The Office or whatever you're into. Uh, King of Thrones or whatever. Game of Thrones. And then you're like, well, I have to get on the bike to do it. And boom, you did. So I don't watch the Tour de France unless I'm on the bike. I get on the bike and then I fast forward in it because I've got a DVR until it's the, the guys cross the finish line. And I look what time that is and then I back it up. If it's an hour ride, I'll back it up like an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes and then watch it from there. That way I'm watching the, the last part of the race plus a little bit of buffer to fast forward through the commercials that they run. They run fewer commercials at the very end. But then the other thing was I was uh, revisiting uh, low cadence and um, new listeners to the show probably have no idea. I used to ride a Fixie with quite a big gearing. It was happy at about 18, 19 miles per hour. I used to ride a Fixie for training and it was a road bike and it taught me how to um, be really, really powerful riding and really efficient and use the bike and leverage because you only have one gear. And sometimes I, it was a flip-flop so I could ride at single speed but it was the same gearing and, um, but that way I could coast down hills and I only had one gear and it taught me how to wrench the bike back and forth and also how to just use my hips more and use my core to uh, pedal. And that's why when, um, let's see, me and Triathlon Taren, Triathlon Taren and I, uh, we were racing against each other on the virtual Alpe d'Huez on Zwift. And when I can sit upright on a bike, I can kill it. I, I forgot what I climbed it in, but I averaged 285 watts or something like that. And my heart rate never went over 155. <laughs> <laughs> I averaged the 155 heart rate or something like that. And, um, and it was easy um, because I was sitting up in all those years. Oh, it was like a year I did this of um, riding a fixie, maybe two years, and uh, learning how to be really powerful. And I want to start doing that in the tri position. But to do that, you have to force yourself into lower gearing. And I did that last night. And the thing is, is you don't push too hard. You have to learn how to pull up, how to use your hips and lean the bike left and right. And I might switch my bike. Oh, anyway, I had a really good time. It was a lot of fun. And I, and, um, I feel great today doing it. Uh, my lower back hurts a little bit because I wasn't used to it. And that torques things a little bit. Um, but we've got a trainer sitting around the house. That's one of these Kurt kinetic that, um, that leans side to side. And I'm going to, 
I'm, th- I'm really thinking I'm going to put um, my rear wheel back on my bike and get on that trainer instead because I'm riding the Doretto, Dorito Smart Trainer, um, which I love because it's got watts and you can set the resistance and all that other stuff. But um, it doesn't really lean back and forth. Like, like you can't use it that way. So I'm going to look into that. I might do something like that. That'd be kind of cool. And learn to uh, do... Um, low cadence and learn to to strengthen those leg muscles to um, get that done and I rode the uh, MS150 on a single speed uh, that same single speed and loved it it was really really great all the hill I took the hilly route you have a choice hilly route or flatter route and um, I had a blast it was so so much fun so simple so easy but anyway if you ride lower cadence it strengthens you and you don't have to do it all the time or whatever it's just good practice and I'm used to riding kind of medium high cadence, like upper 80s. So low for me right now is high 70s, but I could probably work my way down over time. I noticed the more I did it, the longer I did it, my cadence started getting lower and lower. It was easier once my body kind of figured it out. All right, that's it. I got to get into W to the ERK. Got a lot of stuff to do today. Out, bang. All right, I am on my way into W to the ERK. Going to get some stuff done today. And last night I had a terrible run and... I'd share what led to that so we could avoid that in the future. I um, I went low carb yesterday just kind of by accident. Um, I was like, well, put more fat on things and less carbs. And I ended up going running last night. And about a mile, two miles into the run, I noticed I had a lot of energy before the run. I was bouncing around all over the house. Uh, trying to entertain Emily because she wasn't feeling good. You know, that's how you can tell what kind of mood you're in. So I thought I had plenty of energy. But then once I started running, my feet started hurting. Yeah, actually, my run started off. I actually had some pretty good energy. So it also might have been not enough water on my run because I, I run three loops and I left my water bottle before I started the first loop and didn't take it with me. And also, I did no carbs on the run. I did you can before the run but anyway and it's really hot so I'm running with no water and I notice no real carbs and then I notice that my my feet are hurting while I'm running and I'm like oh what is going on and also I had switched back to my ultras which have uh, zero lift in the heel they're flat super comfy though well, I thought, sorry, coffee sip. And I was uh, running along. My feet started hurting. Everything just, you know, it felt like crap. My pace was kind of slow. Um, and my heart rate was a little bit low, which means um, running low on energy, like calories or something, available energy. And then after a while I realized that I was starting on about lap two two and a half I um so that's about three miles in I was like dude you're leaning forward to run and that's that thing I do apparently I've realized that when I'm tired I lean forward you know it's to like compensate for being tired and then what that does is it slams my feet into the ground it pulls on my calves it tears up my arches and my feet 
instead of running more upright or even laid back a little bit, takes pressure off the forefoot and doesn't pull on things. And I was like, crap. <laughs> so I tried uh, leaning back, but it was already kind of, it was weird. It was like, it was already too late. Like, um, and then, so I was like, well, maybe it has something to do with uh, energy. And um, like my feet already started hurting, you know, and it didn't go away. It stayed the same. And I felt flat, you know, just like the, and, and that's the cool thing about heart rate. You can look at your heart rate. If your heart rate's low compared to your, um, perceived exertion, that means you're running low on calories. If your heart rate is high compared to perceived exertion, your calories are probably fine, but you're getting dehydrated and, um, that thickens your blood because it's less fluidy and then your heart has to work harder to pump your blood around. And then so it drives your heart rate up. Your heart has to beat more frequently. And um, that's how you can tell you're on the bike on a long bike ride. Your heart rate starts climbing and climbing and climbing for the same perceived exertion. Probably getting dehydrated. And um, anyway, it was just really, really weird. So I'm like, I sit down. And every day I write in my little journal. You know, I've got an injury journal. And I'm like, man, my feet hurt. Oh, and I woke up this morning and my feet freaking hurt. And I was like... That's really weird because I just ran the other day, even after biking, and my feet felt great the next day. So something I was doing, and I think it was the leaning forward and being um, tired uh, caused that. But then the real question is, is why, right? So then I can go back to my training log and see, okay, this is an evening run. I have trouble with evening runs being tired and, um, and not with my morning runs. And... Also, I keep a log of how frequently I pee during runs because that's a symptom of um, low blood sugar too. You're having to pee uh, to concentrate your blood to get your blood sugar up. And so these are the kind of things that you can keep track of as well. A lot of people keep track of them in a spreadsheet because it's so detailed. And I think I used to do that for a while. I might start to doing that again because it's really interesting. Um, you can look back and you know trend these things and see what causes problems, what works and what doesn't work. So today I'm going to re-up on the carbs because I got to run again tonight and I'm going to see if um, I have that same uh, foot problem with the pain. Anyway, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK. Out, bang. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention... Uh, one trick is to weigh yourself every morning and then you can tell if part of your symptoms or whatever problem you have in life are uh, dehydration. If you've lost a couple of pounds in a day, <laughs> instead of celebrating, you ought to go, uh, hmm, that's, uh, that's interesting. That Now, you know, were you up a couple pounds the day before? Well, now you're kind of back to, to neutral, but are you... Um, are you dehydrated? Because that's the fastest way to lose weight is uh, water weight. And so I woke up this morning and weighed myself and I weighed a pound and a half less than the day before. And for a moment I was like, yeah. And then I was like, oh crap, I'm probably dehydrated. And then I asked myself, how thirsty are you? It's like, oh, you're pretty freaking thirsty. So that's how you know um, a little bit of your problem with whatever you got going on. Maybe um, it's your 
uh, lacking the water or you are um, or you know if, if your uh, weight's the same then you might be uh, running low on carbs so that's why it's, it's always it's always a puzzle to figure out I think that's what always keeps triathlon really interesting is the engagement of trying to figure out the puzzle it's this puzzle you'll never quite figure out and the pieces just when you got you grab a piece and it's in your hand and you're like oh this piece is going to go over here I've got it figured out and as you reach to put it in place then you open up your hand and the puzzle piece that you put in your hand just a minute ago is now something else <laughs> you're like that's not what I thought it was there's a saying in um in Zen that uh, everything that you think is everything that you believe is not always so or not exactly like that or something like that um, it just means that everything that you think is one way every single thing that you are sure about is actually not quite what you think it is it's different and once you know that, start watching for that in life. It is absolutely amazing. You think a person is one way, then you learn something new about them. You think a job is one way, and then all of a sudden the description changes. You think you know everything about this one area, all of a sudden there's a whole new facet of it that you didn't even know. You think that this one thing can or can't be done, and then somebody does, does it or realizes that it, it's impossible to do it now because time has changed and change is constant. All right, that is it, Outbank. All right, just finished another run, almost seven miles. What do I got? I have to wait to get under a streetlight. The Garmin uh, Phoenix 5 continues to rock. I thought about this morning while I was on the bike. I was like, I have not put on a heart rate strap since I got this thing. I have a little, let me save this, 6.75 miles. Ah, no. I meant to save it. There's a car creeping up on me, I don't like that. I saw a new runner I've never seen, a lady. Looks like she's about 30 something. Looks like an Ironman racer. Looks really fit. Let's see. Resume save. There we go. So I started running right from the start, leaning back, and that did the trick. And actually, I had a hornet juice before I got going, so I had plenty of energy. This is an evening run. You can hear the crickets, grasshoppers, and actually faded a bit after about 20 minutes. I burned through my reserves and then I stopped to pee and then I walked around for a minute and then felt better and started running and then my energy came back. So I never give up. Anyway, you can run in a style that's like salsa dancing where you push off with your hips more and kind of save your legs. And that's what I was doing, leaning back, running like that. It was really nice. Oh, and just, uh, Oh, no heel pain. I started doing the roller, foam roller under my forefoot, in my arch, and then my forefoot, this big foam roller I got. 
the yellow one, if it matters. And I could feel it stretching out my forefoot. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like really breaking things apart. And then I went for a run, had almost no heel pain, virtually no heel pain, pretty much no heel pain. And then just ran like that, nice and chill. That seemed to work. Now I gotta call my parents. Triathlon life never ends. My dad's not doing well, so I gotta go check in on him. See what's up. All right, out, bang. Hello, I'm back. Hey there, homies. Had some good swimming success this uh, morning, and I thought I'd share what actually worked. It was really cool. So, the reason I do uh, long interval sets, or long sets, continuous on an interval, the beep timer, where it beeps. Um, right now, I think it's set to a 123, one minute and 23 seconds. And then what I try to do is, you know, nail my 100s on a 123, and I don't stop. You don't stop at the wall. When you're doing a flip turn, you can hear the beep, or, you know, if you're above water or whatever. But um, you can, with that beep, you can really pay attention and see if you're, you can change up your technique and see what's faster and what's slower. Because you're doing huge sets, um, you can really, really tell. Because if you're resting and then you do a short set, you don't really know what made you faster. Was it the rest, you know? But if you just swim easy, continuous, you can tell. So yesterday, no, Wednesday, I was swimming and paying attention. I realized uh, if, I, you know, if I don't dig so deep, keep my arms more shallow, actually swim just a little bit faster. And I realized that right in the middle of, um, of my, my uh, swim. So this time I started right from the beginning with it. And... It worked. So this time, uh, last time I averaged a 122, and this time I averaged a 121 per 100 yards average pace for 4,450 yards, <laughs> nonstop. Um, and on top of that, a couple other things. Uh, you, if you do swim like this, and I know because it's been going on for years, you'll get some criticism. Well, you're not doing enough intervals. Rah, rah, rah. Well, actually, what you do is the last 100 yards or so, you're already getting a little worn out, and then you drive it home with a 100 yard, the last 100 yards you sprint and make your muscles burn. And then that induces growth and increase in strength for next time. And uh, this time, I was a little bit fat. I felt like it was easier to, um, to swim without my arms getting fatigued. And <clears throat> on top of that, last time I was noticing that if I actually slowed down my cadence just a bit than what I was doing, I actually went about half a second faster per 100 yards than I was if I swam at my, uh, uh, what I thought was, uh, you know, um, the required pace. To keep the interval and um, what happens when you slow down just a little bit 
you don't burn as much ox as much oxygen and oxygen is your big limiter in swimming and also you get a slight you don't want to slow down too much because i've done that and then you end up going a lot slower but sometimes if you slow down just a little just a little bit um you're able to preserve your oxygen uh, a little bit more and you're also able to get in a little bit more oxygen because of the little bit longer stroke you spend just a little bit more time um, with your mouth out of the water uh, getting in some air <coughs> oh got a piece of coconut stuck in the back of my throat so it's I was just really I'm always amazed by this uh, sometimes if you slow down you actually go faster it's really crazy but you wouldn't know it unless you were using some kind of metric to compare yourself against and it worked so I'm, I'm really happy this morning I did um, I, I was I learned from last time implemented what I learned and uh, did it this time and as extra proof in the pudding <laughs> that um, it was uh, better and you know that I wasn't killing myself to do it I definitely felt like I swam easier and then at the end the last hundred yards I was able to do an interval again and this time I felt like oh I know actually I went faster because my watch when I was done said new record uh, my last 100 yards of this non-stop set I swam a uh, for my sprint, quote unquote, it wasn't really that fast, was uh, a 114. So after swimming, you know, a 122 or 121 for almost 58 minutes, 58 and a half minutes, I was able to crank out a, um, a sprint at a 114. And it felt good and I didn't blow up. It felt just right, which means I had energy in the tank and, um, it's just a good sign that I was uh, not pushing things too hard. If you get to the end and you can't sprint because you're exhausted, that means that um, that wasn't uh, the ideal workout if that wasn't your goal. Okay, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK. Go into some air conditioning, man. I am, uh, oh, I'm a little bit dehydrated still, but it's the running outside, man. It is so hot. And I've upped uh, my fluid intake. I drank so much water last night. <laughs> it was crazy. So thirsty. I woke up this morning just the tiniest bit thirsty. Weighed myself again. And um, I have not gained. I gained like half a pound or something like that. Which is within a margin of error. So that's not um, it's not enough yet. So I need to keep on rehydrating. Out, bang. All right. Let's go ahead and wrap up the show. We have some donations we need to get out of the way and uh, before we do that I should mention that I had a really great birthday day off from work uh, my birthday happened to land on a weekday so I took the day off from work and Emily and Kai asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday and I said I knew Emily had to go to work but Kai's off of school for the summer and I said I want to go bike riding with Kai for a long bike ride that would be amazing and we did. We biked over two hours together. And 
it was just wonderful. And we did off-road and on-road, gravel, dirt trail, you know, kind of stuff. Went on a went on a journey together, and we're pretty much the same speed uh, when just cruising around. Uh, we rode uh, mountain bikes so that we could go off-road. Um, it was about 50-50 off-road uh, pavement, off-road and pavement. So it was a lot of fun, and it's really cool to be at a place in life where um, you can do that with one of your kids and that your kids made it that far <laughs> and you had something to do with it. It's really amazing. And we've been uh, watching the Tour, Le Tour de France, and I'll have an update at the beginning of the show. I always record the very beginning uh, last. Uh, that way, if there's any news, I can throw that in there. But as of right now, uh, Garant Thomas is winning. There's like two more days left which is a surprise, but it's actually really cool. It's cool watching um, people um, warming up to him and thinking, whoa, this, this guy is uh, really great as well. And it's, it's funny watching them kind of wrap their minds around there being a, uh, a different person besides Froome winning. It's pretty crazy. So there's all that. Let's see. Let's mention these donations. You can help the show by going to zentrathlon.com and on the left hand side there is a link to donate super easy by paypal it's very easy to do and when you do you can do either a one-time donation or a uh, recurring donation if you want that way it's nice and simple and it's a really cool thing that is the thing that helps out the show the most we have donations from people and then i read them on the air like Kevin Judd, Brett Hoyer, coolest first name in triathlon, Karen Jackson, Simon Wright, Daniel Clemens, Justice Phillips, very cool first name as well, Katie Joe, William Smith, Jonathan Woodman, Pablo Cacho, Tanya Roy, Hun Chu, John Mulan, Madsen Hans Henrik, uh, Sharon Pasternak, and Matthew Heinz, in all caps, <laughs> and Peter Salzen and Allison Frutos. So I really hope you enjoy the show. I've got a cousin coming in from Sweden uh, this weekend, and we're not doing triathlon training stuff together. I don't know if he's into that stuff at all. I've never met him before, but uh, he's coming to Houston. <laughs> so we're going to meet him in Houston, and if he doesn't die from the heat and humidity, we're going to have a really, really good time. And we've got some uh, guests lining up that um, might be really, really interesting. And, of course, there's going to be uh, new bikes and stuff like that being dropped on the unsuspecting triathlon uh, or the very suspecting triathlon public as we get closer to Kona. So lots of cool show topics to come up. I'm working on one that I'm really excited about. I don't want to talk about it yet until it starts happening. And uh, that could be a multiple episode recurrence. So stay tuned for all that. All right. Also, we have, uh, let's see. Do we have any sponsors we need to get out there? I mentioned Amrita Bars all the time. Discount code ZEN2018 or just ZEN. Kind of depends on which one you want to try. 10% uh, off of Amrita stuff. Amrita is a uh, date bar. Absolutely love them. Uh, they're kind of like... Um, they're kind of like Lara bars, but even better. Very, and a whole variety of different stuff. And let's see, you can. I answered a question about you can just the other day. Uh, we've got a discount code, Zentry, 15% off. Salt Stick, 
which uh, you can go to saltstick.com slash Zentry and it'll ask you for a password and it's Zentry. <laughs> and you can get, I think it's 25% off. And oh my gosh, I wanted to mention that. I've been doing what um, the owner of Salt Stick said to do uh, and quit eating the salt pills. <laughs> or mix it in my fuel and actually put it in my mouth and let it absorb through my mouth first. And it worked. I didn't have an upset stomach or felt like I was gonna puke from too much salt in the food or fuel. You, you absorb it through your mouth. And, and this works for any sodium or electrolyte uh, solution. Your mouth will absorb it. And then your stomach is way happier, way more happier. And it was a cool trick. And it worked, and I'm super excited, and I would not have known it unless he came on our show. So those, those are the kind of tips that I'd love to give on Zentra. I'll mention it again in another show uh, closer up front because I think it's really valuable. And I think that's it. That's all the other stuff out there. So i got to get the show out so that we can get another one out soon. So everybody stay safe out there, work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. 